What is up, freaks? It's your boy Marty Bent here on a beautiful Thursday afternoon in Brooklyn, New York for this week's edition of Rabbit Hole Recap. Right now, the Bitcoin XBX index, according to Trade Block, is sitting at $5,399.66. Matt, do you have the block at hand? No, I do not, but I am ridiculously bullish. I am as well. Super excited this week. We've got a lot of topics. Before we dump into them, Let's give a shout out to our sponsors. This week's edition Rabbit Hole Recap is brought to you by Unchained Capital. You freaks know all about them already in their two of three multi-sig vault service that they just launched. Uh, go to www.unchained-capital.com slash vaults to check these out. Uh, it's compatible with your Trezor and Ledger. When you guys are not connected to your computers, it's 100% cold storage. Uh, and these vault solutions will also give you access to credit down the line with with unchains um loan services on top of this if you sign up now using our ref link which will be provided in the links you freaks get three months free of safe adina moose's the bitcoin standard research bulletin some very good economic information about bitcoin uh, that you're getting with your vault services so again go t- check out www.unchain-capital/vaults or use the link that we provide in the show notes Got a got an old sponsor coming back, Matt. This show is also sponsored by the Cash App. You freaks know about them, our favorite app to stack sats here in the U.S. Cash App has been the number one finance app in the App Store for almost two years. It was the first major peer-to-peer payments app to support Bitcoin. You freaks know all about it. It's still the fastest and easiest way to on-ramp uh, Bitcoin users from the fiat world. No more waiting for five days for your ACH transfer to come through. With Cash App, you can buy Bitcoin instantly and send it to a wallet of your choice. Cash App also comes with standard uh, banking features and direct deposits. And others your bank would never even consider, like the Cash Card. We've talked about this before. Uh, it's a debit card you get. It comes with their Boost program. and lets you save money every time you use Lyft, Whole Foods, Chipotle, Chick-fil-A, Starbucks, Dunkin', local coffee shops and a bunch of other stuff. You save money at these merchants. You use that to stack sats. Download Cash App today from the App Store or Google Play. Matt, it's only been six days since we last met. Um, a lot's going on. Bitfinex Tether is still, still big in the news. Well, let's not even... Well, let's just hold off for a sec. I mean, well, first of all, the block, the block height is uh, 574,311. It's a lot of blocks. Getting closer to block 630,000 by the day. It's just... You know, it just feels good this week. You know, I I just everything just felt really. I don't know. Am I, am I being too enthusiastic? It felt really like bullish this week. It's just the calm before the storm, before the Bitfinex ship sh- shit storm. Yeah, it could quite possibly be. We wanted to start with something else, but let's just jump into this. We're already talking about this topic. Um, so Bitfinex Tether has been in the news all week. Uh, it seems as though Bitfinex to get around their their liquidity woes with that 851 million is going to launch an IEO initial exchange offering, uh, I believe, for one billion dollars. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. One billion dollar IEO. Yeah, there's rumors swirling uh, that it's already half half the uh, the raise has been committed. These are Twitter trader rumors. We cannot confirm them, but uh, it seems as though. Uh, since the last time we met uh, that Bitfinex as a company and Tether as a, a stable coin has held up pretty, 
pretty well, uh, despite the, despite premium, all the news. The premium Bitfinex is what, like six and a half percent right now? Yeah, I checked. Like I've been tracking the premium for the last few days. It was at six point two five percent, six and a quarter percent. Uh, three days ago, trickled down. It's about like five and a quarter percent. Two days ago, yesterday it started creeping back up, and now yeah, it's about like six six and a half percent. It's I the believe. second highest it's ever. It's been since two years ago. Yes, correct. Um, so that's something you look at. The premiums basically created if people are looking to get out of the tether or on Bitfinex in particular, probably buying Bitcoin on that platform, which is driving the price up. Well, you can't. It's like, I don't know if it's possible to withdraw. Well, it appears that it's very difficult to withdraw U.S. dollars from Bitfinex, which makes sense because that's where their money was supposedly came from. The 850 million that was seized um, through the withdrawal process. Uh, so the proof that that U.S. dollar withdrawals aren't working well is this is this premium, right? Because because if if you can't get dollars out, you can't arbitrage it away. The only way to get money off of Finex right now, which is similar to other exchanges that have been when they were failing, is is you convert to to Bitcoin or a, a different cryptocurrency and then you withdraw that way. So all of their pairs have have premiums on them. Yeah. And this is. um so that premiums ha- has uh, materialized on Bitfinex over the last week. And then this has obviously drawn a lot of attention to Tether, which has held its peg pretty pretty well throughout all this chaos. And uh, there's a bunch of chatter today in particular. What is Tether trading at? Like 98 cents or something like yeah, that? Yeah, I think it's back above 97, um, pulling back towards the dollar. But uh, there's a lot of speculation, or not even speculation, just a lot of... Uh, questions out there about why some people aren't i believe there's a premium to lend out tether right now uh, if you're willing to lend out to shorts well, it's really hard to short tether okay um you either have to do it through finex itself yeah or through like an otc desk yeah and the rates are like ridiculously high up to 20 percent, i've heard yeah i think they're higher on bitfinex i would imagine because that's like p2p like retailish yeah um and especially on Bitfinex, you're really vulnerable there because if Bitfinex is, you know, they're all, Bitfinex runs Tether, they're, they could totally, like, screw with the price and shit to, uh, they can manipulate it to, to take money there. Yeah. Well, we also touched on this last week, too. A lot of other bigger exchanges are, are sort of entangled in Tether, too. So maybe there's some game theory at play where to keep the, the stability of their exchanges they're forced to sort of hold tether and not put it out there on the market yeah i mean i i don't know when you have like something centralized like this do you ever really get like true like i feel like you can never really get like that proper downward exposure because you never know what could happen yeah it's too tightly controlled so the market doesn't really find itself. But obviously, you know, it, we haven't heard any issue. Surprise. I'm really surprised that we haven't heard any issues with bid for next withdrawals. Um, like you said, the the peg is staying like decent amount. And like my question is like, who the fuck would be holding money on bid or in tether right now? Like, who are the people that left holding it? Right. They must either be like insiders or like close to the inside that have a lot of faith in the project because I'm just, it, it amazes, 
I feel I feel like they should have run out of money by now if they were if that was the issue. If the issue was like exit scam fraud type issue, not government closure because that could just still happen at any time. Yeah. That's interesting. The saga of Bitfinex and Tether continues on. It's one that we don't necessarily love here on Tales from the Crypt, but uh, it seems that the the issue has been forced upon us in the last couple of weeks. I have a fun little uh, thought experiment. Okay, so, you know, we're just like minding your own business and like in a week or two weeks, like Bitfinex stops processing withdrawals. They they stop processing withdrawals, and then they like basically go like completely belly up within the, the next month. Let's just say this happens. Like, how does that affect Bitcoin? How does that affect uh, the rest of the ecosystem? It's uh, it definitely affects the perception, but it does not affect Bitcoin at all. Um, sure, there would be. Do you think we would dump hard on the price? Like dump hard on the news. It's a good question. Uh, I mean, Quadriga was what 190 million. Quadriga was like a nothing exchange. Yeah, in my opinion. But there was a, a bit of hoopla after that. Like a lot of I know a, a lot of people, a lot of Canadians who are on Quadriga definitely think of Bitcoin in a in a worse light than they did before uh, they got exit scammed. Oh, absolutely, and definitely like Canadians in general probably have more exposure to that. Yes. Um, so if Bitfinex failed, yes, I think it would be bad for the market temporarily, short-term, medium-term, but long-term, no, Bitcoin itself could be long-term healthy for the ecosystem just to get this this wart on the industry's ass, the, not from a, just from a PR perspective. Like, it's just like there always seems to be problems throughout the years with Bitfinex and Tether, and it just seems like a, an avenue through which no-coiners and shit-coiners like to attack Bitcoin, but it really does not affect Bitcoin at the end of the day. Yeah, but if it's, I I agree. I mean, I think like obviously medium to long term would be no effect, definitely no negative effect. Um, I think that, I think if it's not tether, they'll just pick a different reason. You know, like I could see like Bitmex being an easy target as well. Um, and I I I personally hope that we will always have, you know, like the more the more cowboy-esque elements in uh, in the Bitcoin space. Um, yeah, you know, like, U.S. regulations are have a huge overreach. So whether or not, you know, the specific situation of Bit- Bitfinex and Tether, like, I hope we see a lot of these companies like, like Bitmex that, you know, don't do KYC, don't, you know, do things the Bitcoin way. Yeah, and this is, this actually brings up, wasn't on our list, maybe it was on our list, I haven't, seen it yet but no i don't think it was you uh, i saw you in uh responding to cz today and his explanation for why they need to implement kyc aml he's saying it's to stop hackers and fraudsters and to 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 help users but you made a very it's the third company they've hired in like a month <laughs> they just and they're not firing the other companies they're just adding on top of it it's a chain analysis company yeah right? it's a chain analysis company and yeah. they're doing what we talked about those shotgun uh, KYC request where they lock your account and won't let you withdraw. And he's not, and he's selling it as security bonus, but I guess it's like kind of security for him, uh, but it's not security for his users. It just puts them at more risk. And he didn't respond. He didn't respond. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Let's put it in layman's term. It puts 
users at more risk because you just have your information out there in some data repository held by somebody that could be uh, Bitfinexed in the future. Uh, yeah, and I was talking to some of these people like they were anonymous already and then they have to do KYC and like like CZ saying it's like for like account verification. Like CZ has nothing to verify it against. There's no person on file to begin with, you know, and that's the first. So like that does it doesn't even if you get your account hacked, it doesn't help you in that situation because the hacker will just do the KYC or just get a straw KYC person to do it. Yes. Like have someone else do the KYC. So there's some uh, Orwell Orwellian wordplay at play here with the Binance's implementation of KYC. It just comes down to that that regulators are compelling this stuff and Binance has become that big of a target. You know, we saw it happen with Bittrex, we saw it happen with Polo, and now Binance has become this big of a target that they have to, if if they interact with the, you know, the traditional banking system. Yes. Which is also, you know, Bitfinex for the longest time. Like, how do you, imagine moving billions of dollars without permission, without Bitcoin, like with actual US dollars, like that's insane. Yeah, I think um, I think Safe just tweeted out it was like a two hundred twenty million dollar Bitcoin transaction that happened yesterday. I think the fee was like three dollars or something like that. Just crazy thing. Um, some people are speculating that's a, a whale moving moving to dump, but who knows? That's what's the funniest about all this shit is every time, um, like a lot of people don't know, like Gox, like was also just a fraudulent business. But they, what really tipped it over the iceberg was they had money seized too in a U.S. bank account, and I feel like every time this type of thing happens, it just people always blame Bitcoin for it, but it actually proves the value prop of Bitcoin that you know that we do need a value transfer protocol that we can just easily transfer value around the world. That's why we have a uh, Bitcoin, and uh, good segue here because the latest release of bitcoin was released last night version 0.18.0 is it considered a major release i guess so yeah we're on from 17 to 18 now yeah um yeah so with this comes a couple of upgrades so if you're running a node could be uh could be opportune time to upgrade and start testing this out uh one known issue this is for advanced users um who've enabled coin control and are using multiple wallets uh, with the HD feature. Uh, the, the core developers are recommending that you do not use coin control features if you have multiple wallets loaded up. Um, and then speaking with the wallet, uh, a sub-project of Bitcoin Core now provides hardware wallet interaction scripts, uh, which allow you to interact with your hardware wallets and the Bitcoin Core uh, wallet via the command line. So a bunch of cool upgrades. Um, haven't gone through all of them yet. Still have to. But yeah, that dropped last night. We'll put a link. If you're running a full node, uh, you can update that now. Um, the hardware wallet support is really it's a big deal. It's, it's a huge step in that direction. And that's I think, I think that's the same. Uh, that's what Wasabi used to integrate hardware wallet support in their wallet. And I think that'll be like a huge advantage for people to run their full nodes is that they can actually use their hardware wallet with them. Yes. I think in this upgrade also, it's forcing miners to recognize SegWit transactions as well. Yeah, and the get block template. Yeah, and the get, get block template to help them get as much fees as possible. But I, yeah, I think, and like pretty much every miner already is. 
uh, unless they fuck something up, because otherwise you you just wouldn't make as much money. Yeah, they, they've included like an error message that lets you know that you're not not making as much money as you could. Um, yeah, so it's Bitcoin version zero point one eight point zero. It's out there. Uh, another big thing that was in the news yesterday: Square announced their quarterly earnings from the first quarter, and their cash app, uh, their cash app team on their platform. Sold $65.5 million worth of Bitcoin. Stacking sats. Stacking sats, freaks. Disclaimer, obviously, Cash App sponsor of the pod. <laughs> but, uh, hey, do you think hashtag stacking sats had any influence on this? Um, you know, I like to think I like to think so. But, uh, you know, I think definitely, they, didn't they report that most purchases, like it was very distributed, very small amounts of purchases? Yes. Another interesting um, thing is like this didn't catch the run up in early April, which is second quarter. So Right, exactly. So I think I think it really shows the power um, of just the masses, like large amounts of people just buying small amounts on just weekly basis, just stacking sets. Yeah, and that sort of lays into what I touched on in the bend today is again, maybe these incumbent companies like a square, which has an established revenue stream via its point of sale services and its merchant services and everything that's built up to this point, maybe it's easier for them to implement, uh, and spread Bitcoin because they are one already have a bootstrapped user base with all their clients and app users. And then two, uh, they're able to sort of laser focus on Bitcoin in particular not have to worry about other revenue streams provided by uh, the risk of getting into altcoin trading and stuff like that, and offering tokens, at a token casino, if you will. Um, so I touched on this in the bent today. I think maybe Square is the first, not the first, but one of the biggest, probably overstock you could argue has been in it for a while, but they're not on level with Square, I would argue. But like a, an incumbent institution stepping in, being able to provide Bitcoin with like an on-ramp that doesn't need to uh, to sort of bootstrap bootstrap a whole user base, right? Like a like an app. Yeah, they already have 15 million users. Exactly. It's already without Bitcoin. It's like the number one app on the App Store. Number one finance app for the last two years. Without Bitcoin, like the majority of users that are downloading it aren't even downloading it for Bitcoin. They're just downloading it because Cash App's a dope app. Yeah. Um, and and right there in two clicks, they just have Bitcoin at any point if they if they so desire. And who knows the integrations they could do like could be they you know, they could there's there's multiple different paths here they can go down. Yeah. So and it's interesting that this revenue growth is happening in the depths of a bear market as well, um, which is extremely promising. Yeah. Revenue like massive growth. I mean, uh, uh, Larry. uh Larry from the block, uh, he was, he was, uh, law, law master, law master. Yeah. He, he was making fun of, uh, a projected square cash app growth chart. And it was like by like 2024, um, cash app would be selling more Bitcoin than the total Bitcoin in circulation. And like, obviously like there, you can't sell more Bitcoin than our total in circulation. But, like, you really, like, start to think, like, how much that, like, adds up. Like, when you have, like, access to Bitcoin so easily to so many people and so few people own it right now, like, you know, you really start to Understand realize. the gravity of that. Yeah. yeah, and, like, how scarce Bitcoin really is. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. I mean, that's what we talked about with 
Tom and Tom Garambone and Johnny Dilly a few weeks ago is that these bull runs are precipitated by on ramps being produced that make it easier to buy Bitcoin. Where in 2017, to get set up, it probably took three weeks between uh, uh, initiation of a Coinbase account. They were like selling polo accounts. Do you remember yeah. that shit? Yeah. Like, and people were trying to buy Bitcoin and they would have to wait weeks. And now, I mean, Cash App, it probably takes a couple of days to get your account set up and your bank account hooked up. Do you only do the KYC after you, in, when you only, when you enable Bitcoin, do you do additional KYC? Is that it? I'm not positive. Yeah. I'm trying to think like if you're just a Cash App user, do you actually have, do you have to do more verification than you already did? To enable Bitcoin? I think to withdraw, possibly. It happens at the withdrawal process? Possibly. I think it might be when you activate it. But either way, it definitely requires more, right? Yes. It's a selfie. Yeah, a selfie or a driver's license picture, yeah. I believe. Um, so it'll still take like a new... My point is it'll still take like a regular Cash App user. If they wanted to buy Bitcoin, it'll take them like two days or something. Yes. The first time. And then even so, once you, if you are set up already, instead of having to wait five days for the ACH transfer and then five days for yeah. it, the Bitcoin to hit your Coinbase account, you can get it immediately and can send it to a treasurer within minutes. Right, you already have it. Yes. It's still the quickest way, even with that process. <sighs> and new users will feel way more comfortable doing that with, with a company like Square, you know, a publicly traded billion-dollar company, billions of dollars. And uh, so this then, like, a rando. So this ties back to, like, what I was touching on a, a bit earlier. Like, does do you think, like, incumbents are sort of waiting on the sidelines, like, for a certain Lindy threshold to be hit? Again, I mentioned in the Ben today, I think a decade is a big mental uh, sort of checkpoint for a lot of people. Do you think do you think these guys, these uh, a lot of incumbents are waiting on the sidelines just looking at Bitcoin startups kill themselves and figuring out how they can perfect like an onboarding process just to come in later and sort of take over? I, I think there's a huge difference between nine and a half years and ten and a half years. It's just some weird human psychology thing. Yeah. Um, and this is not to like discourage Bitcoin startups or anything. This is just something I'm curious about. I mean, they're going to try to, you know, whether they'll be effective at, at doing that or not is is yet to be seen. Um, I mean, we're we're seeing it with Cash App versus like a Coinbase, which was like the main American. It still is the main American point of adoption. Um, so, we'll, you know, we'll see how that plays out. There's probably room for for both of them. Um, Coinbase is like kind of an exception when it comes to Bitcoin startups, though, because it's like the like the heavyweight in the room, VC backed and whatnot. Um, I don't know. I think like something like CoinKite, like you can't replicate CoinKite from a big business. Like there's no big business that's going to come in and make Bitcoiners buy, you know, lose faith in Rodolfo and CoinKite unless, you know, he does something completely separate from that big business coming in. But like he's carved out a really strong niche and reputation. There's like a web of trust there element. The guys at Trezor. Yeah, the guys at TFTC. We have to watch our backs from like the incumbent media trying to come in. Yeah, when like CNN's trying to take our jobs. Yeah, it's going to happen at some point. We just hope you freaks stay with us, you know, (laughs) been around. No, no, I like. I don't think any incumbent's gonna come out with, like better hardware, like than Rodolfo or Trezor or Ledger. At well, this like point. so, like an interesting one is like a. I think on ramps is like a very specific vertical where they could, 
Easily. Easily take over. Because they flex their regulatory muscle, right? Their yeah. their fiat compliance. Like Square already had banking relationships and everything. Um, I think with like exchange products, you could see that, you know, really easily. You see it with like the futures, you know, with CME futures. Um, while while Bitfinex has, uh, Bitmax has to operate in like a complete legal gray area and have no fiat connections, CME just has full banking privileges. Uh, so yeah, like I, I absolutely anywhere that it connects to like the an interesting one will be like fidelity, like the fidelity versus like a Zappo, mm-hmm. right? Right. It's gonna see like fidelity has people like Bob McElrath on their team. I'm sorry if I butchered your name there, Bob, if you're even listening to this, but he seems like to know what he's talking about, and it seems like they snipe somebody who's, who's very. Uh, sort of aware of, of the nitty-gritty stuff that's going on within Bitcoin, which is what you want to see. Oh, yeah. No, exactly. That's why it'll be interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, Fidelity is like an extremely established custodian, but then Zappa is an extremely established Bitcoin custodian. So yeah, it should be interesting to watch it all play out. Zappo, this is a small tangent here. It's a company with CEO Lensa Cesaris, He's one of the few people in the space who has had the balls to uh, to swallow his pride and admit that he was wrong. He's the only one, right? Yeah, literally the only person who applied uh, who uh, apologized for Segwit Two X. Shout out to Wences, a true man of honor. I don't think there was a single other person. I don't either. Of like the top dogs. Um, I didn't look too far into this. Uh, Amazon managed blockchain uh, takes aim at centralized shitcoins. Ooh, this one was fun. You like my headline? That was a great headline. It's a good headline. Um, no, they can just like, they, it's, they call them decentralized apps, which is hilarious, but they, you can just spin up a blockchain. I think it, what is it? Hyperwave and Ethereum right now is what they've hyperledger fabric and Ethereum. Um, similar to what Azure did. Yeah. But now Amazon's doing it. Okay. I just, it was like another day. Like if you have a centralized project, like I can just spin up one right now on AWS and like I'll have amazing connectivity and whatnot. Yeah, this was pretty predictable. Yeah. Is, this, uh, is this mean Ethereum's uh, getting adoption? No, it, it doesn't. It's not any, it's not, I guess like it helps them like test apps and stuff. They have like that going, okay. that advantage, but it doesn't, it's not any meaningful. Amazon's not like using Ethereum. Will it eventually be connected? No. Good questions. Yeah. Is, uh, it's the normal ones. Yeah. yeah, we should find out. Um, yeah, so that's the thing. It's completely expected. Uh, Facebook's this is on the list either, but they're, they're turning, they're very private, private, uh, privacy conscious now. Uh, apparently, they're working on a blockchain as well. Do you have faith in that project? They need the blockchain for the privacy. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, they're just private and they're just, it's just lip service. They're just giving lip service. Obviously, you know, and they're adding the blockchain buzzword. They also want like AI to moderate things with machine learning. They love all the buzzwords. <laughs> and they, they bought a VR company. <laughs> Turn them all together. Yeah. I have uh, not been on Facebook for about eight months now, and I've never been happier. I, deactiv- I deleted my account a couple years it. ago. I don't miss it at all. Delete, delete, delete. Um, this was cool. This dropped yesterday. I was happy to see this. Not a huge fan of this product because I don't think it's the best way to get access to Bitcoin, that product being GBTC, offered by Grayscale Investments. But they dropped a hell of a meme of a... It was an expensive commercial, man. ad campaign. So the dropgold.com, if you freak out, we'll put the link in the uh, show notes. Uh, Obviously, dropgold.com, Grayscale Investments is 
advertising their GPTC. It's Barry Silbert's uh, Barry Silbert's uh, it's, it's a way to get ac- uh, uh, excuse me um, exposure to Bitcoin. Uh, it's very limited, very it's limited like a access. Fake ETF. It's like basically a fake ETF trades at a very high premium. I believe it's like twenty percent, twenty to twenty-five percent at times. The premium changes, yeah, yeah, um, just based on the market. they own like a certain amount of Bitcoin, and then they keep. There's a, a redemption process where you can add to the amount that they hold, and basically arbitrage the premium. But that process takes a year because it's not a a true ETF. It's like. I don't know. It's like on pink sheets or something. Yeah, it's on pink sheets. Um, so there's that there's that premium there, but it's an investment product that a lot of people like it because you can use it for your retirement accounts and stuff like that in America, at least. Yes. So this drop gold campaign is them basically uh, pitting Bitcoin versus gold. Buy gold, buy Bitcoin. B Y E gold. B-U-Y, Bitcoin. Um, it was a very... Uh, Did they say that in the video? I don't know if they said it in the video, but it was on the landing page. It was in their copy? Yes. Oh, I thought that was your... I thought you wrote that. You uh, came up with that. I was like, ah, oh, Marty, that's a great meme. Well done. Oh, that, well, yeah, it wasn't in... There was two headlines. One said, buy gold, and then they gave a little spiel, and the next one said, buy gotcha. Bitcoin, and gave the spiel. Sort of combined them. Helped them out a little bit. Simplified the message for them. Uh, but, no, again, like, this is incredible messaging is going to be blasted out to normies all across america i think it's, it's going to be on like cnbc commercials and shit like that yeah and i it think it's an expensive commercial yeah i can see it. it's definitely i would not be surprised to see it on cbs on sundays watching golf um but it's going to be it's great guerrilla marketing and i think one thing beautiful about it, it seemed a little selfless on their part it was just basically bitcoin versus gold didn't really pump gbtc too hard i think um it's like the gold versus Bitcoin is like, it's kind of like a false dichotomy. Um, I think Bitcoin's superior to gold, but I don't think it just completely replaces. Like, I think, like to quote Litecoin, like I think gold is like the silver to Bitcoin's gold. Mm-hmm. Right? It's a backup plan. Yeah. And it's like a physical, kind of a physical scarce representation. Um, but the important thing about this is it's triggering a ton of gold bugs and there's going to be this whole debate that happens while they try and prove it wrong where people are basically comparing the properties of Bitcoin and gold. And that's got to bring some new people in. Yeah, Bitcoin's going to win out on merit there, we, yeah. would, we would argue. And, and like just qualities. It's just better money. I think, yeah, and the uh, if you freaks haven't seen the commercial yet, the sort of visualization that uh, the commercial brings to light is like trying to transport gold. People are carrying it in like chain purses and wheelbarrows and dollies and stuff like that. And then like the second they dropped the gold and like took the Bitcoin, they were just, they were sprinting and they were free and they were running and everyone was like young and good looking. Yeah. Was that all down on wall street? That had to be expensive to shut down wall street to get that. Supposedly they, someone said they filmed it in Buenos Aires. Really? Yeah. I don't know. That's just a random tweeter who responded to my to my tweets. So. They replicated the Wall Street uh, subway stop, the yeah. sixth stop, very well then. Maybe not. Maybe they didn't. Um, who knows? That was just a random tweeter. <laughs> I did not follow up on it at all. So you, Americans out there, that should be coming to a TV screen near you. Be on the lookout for it. Uh, just awareness. Dropgold.com. Is this going to be better than the BitPay uh, Super Bowl or, uh, excuse me, College Bowl sponsorship? I think it's way better. I think, honestly... I think 
there's a lot of things that were better than that. I, I was gonna like start. Na- there's so many that that were that were better advertisements than the. I just than the Bit put Pedal. my hand up. I'm gonna give some props to Roger Ver. I think his Bitcoin is the honey badger of money. Uh, yeah, that was a pretty good meme. Uh, uh, that was a big billboard, right? Yeah, I thought that was a good one. Um, yeah. So again, be on the lookout for that. Uh, talk. Oh, and and like that's obviously custodial. They're not your keys. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. Like it's you you. Sh- for most people, you should self-custody your own keys, not your keys, not your coins. For most people, I I would imagine the, the process of getting access to GPTC would be too arduous. They would just choose something like the Cash App anyway. But this is going to pump Bitcoin no matter what. Not pu- It's not going to pump Bitcoin. <laughs> uh, when I say pump Bitcoin. No matter what, guys. No, I mean <laughs> pump uh, in an advert. It's going to advertise Bitcoin. Yes, yes. yes. It'll, it'll, and it should increase adoption, I would say. Increase awareness. Pump awareness. That's what Absolutely. I meant to say. Not the price. Talking about awareness, they, blockchain cap had that new study oh, that yeah. was like nine of ten millennials. Uh, I have the excerpt there. No, the cohorts were more granular than just millennials. I think it was like 18 to 25-year-olds. Um, oh, so it's even smaller. Yeah, nine of ten have heard of Bitcoin. Eleven percent of res- or let me pull this up. It seemed like a lot of people have heard of it, but a lot of people don't. Most don't own it. This isn't in the show notes. I'm pretty sure I put them there. And then the other one was Fidelity. Fidelity surveyed four hundred. Uh, institutional clients and I think 22% said they already held Bitcoin or another digital asset and 47% including that 22% said that they wanted exposure in their portfolio yes Um, so I got this on blockchain capital uh, study up Bitcoin awareness has gone up to 89% from 77% overall uh, from the fall of 2017, when we were in the midst of a bull market, mind you, to the spring of 2019, let, actually a couple of weeks ago, I th- believe the data was collected. Um, yeah, so awareness is at 90% between 18, 34-year-olds, uh, almost 90% between 35, 44-year-olds, almost 90% across the board. Um, a lot of people are familiar with it. 43% have a, of respondents had a positive uh connotation with it where it was 34 percent in the fall of 2017 so like across the board at least it seems that people are more aware of bitcoin and uh more the tribute tribute uh positive feelings to it uh, more than they did a couple of years ago and but they don't own it they don't own it i believe yeah so nick carter i believe tried to crunch the numbers of the total number of american this is all americans too mind you uh that were that were uh surveyed um he crunched the numbers and it's it's an insane number like 25 million would have owned it if if those projections are true which seems a bit high there's um, no way i feel like it's yeah. got to be lower than 25 million owned bitcoin yeah but somebody in the uh somebody responded to nick in that thread znd toshi i believe yeah he's an anon and he actually brought up a good point that uh people may have just been uh sort of virtue signaling that they own because they they see it as like a thing of status like yeah i own bitcoin like i'm, yeah. I'm in on it like plenty of people will lie about yeah having stack sets which is like another thing and i guess we can get into the surveys the survey is obviously not uh foolproof 100 well, i'm looking at this sample right now and like they had a like pretty good sample so 2000 people 2029 people and it's like split up pretty well they actually 
they surveyed more women than men. Interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I, uh, I, you know, I think the interesting thing is every time uh, when you start your podcast, your interview series, you say, "How did you get into Bitcoin?" Um, a lot of people, almost all the people, actually say they first heard about it and they just dismissed it, and then. Eight months, year and a half, two years later, whatever, something brought them back in and then they jumped in. Uh, you know, that's how it happened to me. I think that's how it happened to you. Yep. Um, so all these people, they've been primed. They're, they've, they're aware of it now. Now it just needs to jump back into their consciousness another time or another two times and bang, bang. Bang, bang is right. Uh, maybe a grayscale will help us with that, that consciousness jump start. Um, no, but again, this is uh, slowly but surely, and I think the one thing that Spencer pointed out in his conclusion with this is uh, he referenced it as a mega demographics uh, sort of trend, and it's the, the youth leading it and sort of understanding Bitcoin uh, more innately than the older generations. It makes sense for a lot of reasons, obviously, because we are internet natives, uh, at least people our age are, I would say. I'm just on the cusp. I remember life without the internet, but it wasn't too long. Um, we had like AOL. Yeah. We had AOL. Uh, had chat rooms. I got AOL in the back of a millennium Backstreet, uh, Backstreet Boys album. I'm, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> um, but again, it's just, it's more natural. Like uh, a conversation with Jack, he said, you look at kids now, I've got nieces, nephews, cousins have kids. They're two, three years old. They already know how to enter their parents' passwords, find pictures of themselves and stuff like, it's going to be more innate for them. That's another reason. And another factor of this is probably like generational, I don't want to say envy, but like, hey, we, we sort of got the shit under the stick here and maybe Bitcoin could provide a better future. That's what I would imagine sort of are the, are the reasons for that, that demographic push from the younger people to, to sort of come to Bitcoin more easily. Yeah, I mean, I feel like, yeah, it, it's it seems like it's like one of those every once in a while like a generation has like an opportunity for like massive wealth transfer events um is it every generation though no it's every 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 so often a generation gets that chance um like we saw the like the um i don't know what generation they were but like if you're in like that prime age group uh of like 22 to 30 in like the late 70s going into the 80s like in finance like you just made fucking bank yeah. Um, or like real estate or something like that. Yeah. When um, Louis Ranieri opened up the, uh, the credit, def- or excuse me, the uh, collateralized debt obligation markets, it really right, set exactly. things off. They just like everything exploded. And it was just right place at the right time. Yes. Um, so it's, it's not unheard of for, for that to be the case. And I think that young people in general are, it's easier for them to grok and understand this shit, um, having value online. Uh, and they have much less to lose. They've, they've been sold a bad rap. They're young. They can take higher risks. Um, so like, I'd be really surprised. And I think we see that in Bitcoin. I think it skews young in general. Yeah. I I would say with a lot of certainty that it definitely does. Uh, I mean, I love our older, like our older community, but shout out to Bitcoin Tina. (laughs) I know you're listening. But like we definitely, it definitely skews younger, I would say. And I think that's going to be awesome. 
I do as well. Because because um, the older folks they talk down to us. You yeah. know, expect the older no corners are the worst. They're the worst <laughs> no corners. Well, they have they have more to lose, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, I'm excited to watch them lose it. <laughs> Speaking about losing it, lose uh, those chain analysis companies following you and join. Uh, the people who were coin joining on the Bitcoin network uh, recently, I believe Kyle Torpy reported this on longhash.com. Uh, coin join Bitcoin payments have nearly tripled and account for 4.09% of all transactions on the network. It's not a huge number, but you know, it's not too shabby. No, no looking at that chart, it's funny going back. Like coin joins were very popular in like 2012. They made a resurgence in 2014. Yeah, but they were worse implementations. Mm-hmm. The early ones were like people testing. There's a lot of mixers too back the, then, right? Yeah, but those don't show up as a coin join. That's true. In that chart. Yes. Um, the big hump that it looks like we were doing really well and then we like lost progress was blockchain.info's shared coin service, which was like coin joined in your browser. And there was a lot of issues with that implementation. So, like, even though, like, and I remember using that. You never, did you ever use shared I coin? I, I never used the blockchain.info wallet. Uh, well, I used it just for shared coin because, you know, I wanted to try it out or whatever. It was just horrible. It was just a horrible experience. And supposedly, like, the privacy wasn't, uh, I, I think you had, a, you obviously trusted them, you know, uh, was going through their servers and everything and then they, as a result they were liable so they made themselves like a regulatory target at the same time um and it just was ineffective from a privacy perspective so that's like this is really the best on the the best percentage the of, strongest the strongest use of coin joins that we've ever had yes i would say yes yeah. and it's rising and like we've said at a, a massive i like i it'd be awesome if the price rose at that rate just everyone's it's just it's awesome to see yeah like we said privacy loves company um if you're not coin joining and you're looking to i know it can be stressful it's stressful for me as well we're not it was pretty simple right it's pretty simple but it is stressful moving moving utxos yeah i mean i think like if you move like a small amount i mean the minimum is 0.1 so that's like 500 dollars. so it's like impossible to really move a small amount so I guess I'll take that back. But if you start with like smaller amounts and like get used to it, like that's good. Yes. And the UX is getting better. And while we're on this topic, Samurai, they're entering their mainnet testing phase for their Whirlpool, which is another um, sort of. It's another coin join. Coin join. Yeah, uh, another way to mix up your UTXOs and, and develop some sense of privacy. Yeah, the more the merrier, as many as we have. So they're going through testing right now. They're doing. So Wasabi's doing rounds of 100 um, at 0.1 minimum. I've seen... Samurai's doing point, half the minimum, half the amount. Because you have to do coordinated amounts. Everyone has to be sending the same amount no matter what. Otherwise, you can't mix them together. Uh, but Samurai plans to... Because they're using smaller round sizes, like five, it's quicker. Um, you know, at the sake of some privacy... It's quicker and and you get uh, you can do way more denominations, different denominations, because you can spread your liquidity out more. Yeah. So it's fifty million satoshis is the minimum. Yeah. Um, Not fifty million. If fifty, right? Point zero five. Or five zero five million. Yeah, that's five million. It's Marty math for you. Well, wow, you're really fucking with me. Five million satoshis. I was like, there's no way. It's definitely, yeah. Five million satoshis, excuse me. Okay, there we go. I'm sorry. 
My well, at least off. we got it. At least we got it. Um, thinking in sats. We got to start thinking, thinking in sats. Thinking in sats. Uh, I saw the demo, somebody demoing. I don't know. Was this Whirlpool or the Kahoots thing they have where you you can just in-person coin join by like scanning the QR code, then you scan the QR code? Yeah, that's their other. That's, I think, Kahoots. Kahoots. That's yeah. what they're calling it, right? Yeah. So, I haven't I haven't tested out either yet. I'm in the I I've been meaning to test out the Samurai Whirlpool, but I haven't yet. Yes. And and Cahoots, I need someone to be in Cahoots with. So I'm, wor- <laughs> I'm working on that one too. But yeah, that's like a small person coin joint. Yes. And um yeah, with this now like they're going to they plan to open source everything in the future, correct? Not Yes. Yes. The back end, I I don't think is still is still not open source. It's still not open source. So yeah. that's that's is there. There's a degree of trust there where you're running stuff through their servers, but they plan on moving away from that in the future. Right. Yes. And now they have Tor integrated, so presumably they can't link your IP. Yes. Thank you for bringing up Tor. We talked about this last week. Like run your own Tor node. Was it Pierre or Max Hildebrand? I, I don't think they brought it to our attention, but they brought it to somebody's attention on Twitter that if Tor goes down, you sort of have to have a kill switch in your node because it sort of exposes you. Um, if like your Tor node goes down yeah. while your information is running through it. So just be cognizant of that. Um, and like a lot of VPNs too. Uh, the the Well, first of all, if you use Tails with Tor, um, it automatically... It only connects uh, through Tor. Um, a lot of VPNs, like in the VPN app or in OpenVPN, if that's what you use or whatever you use, like there's usually like a checkbox to to kill it um, when there's because you don't want it to just switch to ClearNet if you're doing all of a sudden it's just the nodes open on ClearNet. Yeah, it's just like ripping your your towel off if you're walking through the house. Everybody's gonna be able to see your private parts or what you thought was private. Bad joke. No, I was just thinking about about the kill switch issue. Yeah, it is. So it's the issue is that if Tor goes down on your device, you don't want you don't want it to all of a sudden be broadcasting whatever you're broadcasting. Um, and if you're it's your node, if your node's running through Tor, uh, if your if your node's running through Tor and then Tor gets killed, the node needs to stop running instead of continue to broadcast. Yes. So just be aware of that. Um, I do not know of any sort of simple solutions to that off the top of my head. Well, I'm trying to, if, if, if like, for instance, like Casa doesn't even run their node through, through Tor to begin with. I'm pretty sure they only run the lightning portion through Tor. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to, I'm going to ask the not, I'm curious what the, if the Nautil has a kill switch for their tour, uh, integration. Um, and then who whoever who commented on Twitter about that? I think it was Pierre or Max Hildebrand. I'm not positive. There was someone responded that. So what I was talking about was like a software level kill switch. Uh, so that's that's like if 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 the node just at the software level realizes Tor goes down and it just shuts it. It just cuts. It cuts the internet. Yeah, I feel like there could be an um, fan function. Like, if this isn't messaging through Tor, then don't send it. Yeah, but the, there is. But the guy, whoever responded, was like, 
you still might leak. You still might like if you really do care about your privacy. Like I think the only way to properly do it is separate hardware. So like basically you have like a piece of hardware in between everything that that runs that logic. Okay. So that you can cut it out from the hardware level, not rely on any of the software to do the right thing and make sure you don't leak any actual. So, like, you know, privacy, like, it's just always trade-offs between convenience and privacy and convenience and security. And hopefully these types of issues will become easier for the end user. Hey, we're here with. to highlight pain points for all you wily entrepreneurs <laughs> out there, okay? If you guys see these issues and they aren't solved yet, get out there. Fucking solve them. Stressful. <laughs> um, probably should have tacked this on to the blockchain uh, survey, but Fidelity surveyed 400 institutional investors. Oh yeah, I dropped that while you were while you were while searching. Was, uh, yeah, yeah. While I was searching. All right, yeah, you to did drop this. out. I gave that exact stat right. 22 percent have bought. Have already already have exposure. 40%. And 47. Uh, I think it, exposure makes sense for yes. 47, right? Yes. You see, I even had the numbers memorized. That's a good one. That's a really good one. 22% is still not that many of them. No. Um, it's, uh, Marty's trying to do math in his head right now. It's not happening. 78% left. Yeah. And who knows how much the 22% own? They probably don't even own that much. They're just dipping their feet in. It's again slowly but surely. It's happening. Uh, again, Lindy comes into effect. Every block that Bitcoin produces just makes it more probable that it'll survive into the future. And the fact that it's becoming more probable that it'll it'll survive into the future is forcing these institutional investors, these big public companies, and other and governments even to sort of think about this. It's it's a thing that they have to deal with now. I think the majority. They they said forty seven percent were interested, twenty two percent already owned it, um, so that's twenty five percent difference. Those twenty five percent, like basically what they're waiting for is they're just gonna FOMO buy in at like a little over ten k. Yeah, and then <laughs> that's just gonna happen. like they wait for the confirmation. Yeah, another stat out of this, which may be more important, is that financial advisors and family offices, uh, respectively have a 74%, 80% favorable view of digital assets, Bitcoin probably being the number one digital asset on their minds. And those are the people selling to to the people with money. So that's good to see as well. Yeah, I mean, I think it's an easy sell for family offices. I mean, why not? 1%, as our boy Wences would say. Um, More institutions getting into the fray. E-Trade is joining the party. This news dropped, I believe, while we were recording last week. Um, They... They plan to offer Bitcoin trading to their 5 million customers. And this just loops back to what we were talking about early as incumbents basically creating just more infrastructure on ramps. Is this like a Robin Hood where you, you can't you're not going to be able to get access to your keys, obviously. Yeah, same with TD Ameritrade and shit. Yeah, it's super easy for them to integrate this. And like a lot of people are going to use it. Yeah. So um, E-Trade's joining the party, joining Robin Hood, TD Ameritrade, um, Fidelity, other other big institutions that's crazy like that is absolutely insane i mean imagine if we had that infrastructure in 2017 can this uh can this bullish fundamental news uh overcome the the bearish news of potential bit the bitfinex is just gonna <laughs> i mean it could go like it could go the two ways basically right yeah we'll uh, see. but i think no matter what like 
we're gonna have to talk about Tether and Bitfinex for like way too long. For so much, for it's like and nothing's gonna happen quickly, unless think, it just all implodes. Do you think Bitfin- nothing good? Nothing good is gonna happen quickly. I mean, that, the, the possibility of something just being rosy and everything go, going great and not having to talk about it all the time is zero. There's no way that happens, especially with this ICO they're doing and shit. Yeah, is Bitfinex about to red wedding us? Like, everything's all cheery. And then they just, everyone dies. <laughs> you know, that'd be exciting. Yeah, use a little bit more excitement. It's been, a, it's been a pretty boring six months. Has it been? <laughs> no, it hasn't been boring at all. No, it's true. It's never boring. Uh, maybe we're just jaded, or I'm just jaded. Jaded about what? I've just been seeing too much shit. What kind of shit? Uh, where should we start? I mean, should we go all the way back to like 2013, the the altcoin launches? Remember that when David Seaman was going around pumping hyper hyper coin? When, when I always forget about David. When Seaman. Bryce was was launching Zeta Coin, Dark Coin, Drake, Dirac. Ugh. That was some shit. Getting exit scammed by MinPal. That was that was my hard first lesson. No matter what, well, no matter what era, there's always an exchange that everyone thinks is going to be uh, the best exchange forever and ever and just dominate everyone else and no one else has a chance. And, like, right now, that's Binance. Like, for a solid period there, it was MinPal, I feel like. <laughs> you know? It never really... I don't think it was ever, like, the main exchange, like, yeah. one of the top exchanges. But it was, like, always... Around then. had such a good reputation, and then it just... Yeah, apparently the uh, the founder of... Min Pal is a pretty huge scumbag. I'm pretty sure he's a domestic abuser and shit like that. And then just took that's a bunch pretty of, fucked up. Just took a bunch of people. It's obviously Bitcoin. Bitcoin's fault. Yeah, I Bitcoin's mean, fault that he's a shit person. Do you remember Neo and B? This rings a bell. Yes, it was like the bank in Cyprus. Danny Brewster was yeah, doing yeah, yeah, yeah. it. Danny Brewster's and a- he sold an IEO. Or I mean, I guess IEO is supposed to stand for initial exchange offering, but he sold equity of Neo and B. It was going to be like a Bitcoin bank. And, like, Cyprus was going through shit at that point. So it was, like, the Venezuela situation where it was, you know, Bitcoin could help Bank Cyprus. Going on. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, and that just, that whole thing just completely imploded on itself. Yeah. We've come a long way since that era. I thought that was going to be the future at one point. I was like, yeah, there's just going to be, like, Bitcoin banks in the corner. Hey, we don't know. There may be in the future. He's gonna like do like customer support and stuff. I don't know. It's like <laughs> a decent idea. So we had that. The ICOs of uh, just ahead of its time. Going to an Ethereum meetup and having them pitch ICOs to company like the day after Vlad was like, "Please do not build critical apps on Ethereum." That was a. Uh, it's another thing that drove me a little nuts. There was a couple months there where I just, I just thought I was like maybe I was wrong. You know, like maybe, and it's funny because a lot of people, you know, like you get that during the bear market, but like I got it during like the height of 2017 bull market because like none of it made sense. The Like the token craze, the whole ICO fucking mess. I was just like, maybe, do I, am I missing something? Am I an idiot? Like what's going on here? I don't know. Well, this is a good segue into the last topic, which is ethereum.org officially updated their website. Oh, Ethereum. Oh, ETH is money now. ETH is money now. So this goes into like that token economy didn't make sense. Uh, token economy built on ERC-20 tokens fueled by gas, which is Ether. 
Um, ETH was always money. Like people, like everyone knew even during like the ICO and shit. It was just all marketing. Yeah. So they've changed their marketing. They pivoted from unstoppable, uh, touring complete world computer applications to. Uh, fueled by Ether, which is gas, to, um, I believe, a decentralized finance platform with Ether as, as the money token. Is this is this goalpost moving? Is this sharpening the narrative? Is this a pivot? What is this? Yes. I would say all of those. Um, but, uh, I mean, look, we've all been saying that ETH is a competing is a competing money for like the longest time. So for them to admit it is like that's got to be a positive, right? I yes. don't know. I'm like happy about that. Like now like like if you compete on terms of money, like Bitcoin's is is the better money. Like uh, Bitcoin's the best money we have. No, I agree. I just think it's hilarious watching the Ethereum thought leaders uh sort of adopt the Bitcoin narratives that Bitcoiners have been trying to educate them on for years. And now it seems like they're finally coming around. Uh, will ETH be able to outcompete Bitcoin? We shall see. I'm not uh, too optimistic on that, but... Oh, you're not You're not optimistic on uh, Ethereum? No, not too too optimistic. Do they even know what Ethereum is going to be? I Yeah, I mean, I don't, I'm not positive. Not neither am I. But we'll, we'll include the ethereum.org... Uh, <laughs> yeah, we don't have link. to include it in the show notes. You can just go to it if you want to go to it. Yeah, you can go to that too. Uh, uh, but it was interesting. That was a the they put money like three times on the the front. Like it's money now. Like yeah. they they went full. It wasn't. And the site has been a, a a cause for contention over the years because they haven't updated it since like 2014, I believe. Yeah, I went back. Did you go back to the archives? I, I saw the one. Somebody posted the archive link to a certain state. I was just going, I you know, you you go to like uh, archive.org and you can just click through all the different years and it's pretty interesting watching. You can see the pre-sale. And like, it's just pretty interesting watching it progress. Yeah. <clears throat> um, what's going on? Uh, programmable POW. Is that, I believe they're they're taking the foot off that gas pedal. Yeah, I I am pro- I don't have no idea who who the hell knows. I haven't been following it. I think I heard rumors are taking their foot off that. Really? Pedal. I'm not sure. I was surprised that I'm I. Good for them. Progpow was a. I don't think it was a, it was a good idea. So yeah. All right, that's all we got for topics. We got a few minutes to riff here. You have riffing topics on the top of your head. We're going to be at BitBlock Boom and the San Francisco Bitcoin Conference. 2019. I think our code's RHR for both, right? RHR for both. I'm going to be at the Value of Bitcoin Conference in Munich in June, too. Um, speaking about Bitcoin and traditional banking. This is a cool conference. It's bringing Bitcoiners and uh, a bunch of German bankers together to sort of pitch Bitcoin. Excited for that. Um, I guess one thing to riff on here to end it too is that I guess there was an article on Coindesk Venezuelan came out um, basically saying that Bitcoin is not a panacea for Venezuela and shouldn't be marketed that way and that's something we agree with here at TFTC it's uh, absolutely we've said it many times it's not a panacea it's simply a tool that, that is available if if Venezuelans want to use it no and you really want to have it before the crisis happens yes like if you, it's really hard to get afterwards and it's, you know 
which is way more difficult. The ideal situation is to have Bitcoin first. I have something to riff on. Is Bitcoin a Ponzi scheme? Ooh. This was FUD that I thought thought it was extinguished. This is from the Stripe guy? What? Is this from the Stripe guy? No, this is from tweeters. Tweeters? Yeah, like people... Um, so, my belief with Bitcoin is that it's a scarce asset. So, the more people that buy it, the higher the price goes. Right? Um, the But the higher the price goes, like when we have those price pumps, like I think it it's the main driver of new adoption. Like people actually hear about Bitcoin and pay attention to Bitcoin because the price is going up through the roof. Uh, and then they like come in and like, or maybe like they get aware of it once and they don't get aware of it till the next run up or whatever. But then that new adoption then brings the price up even higher in the next pump. And then that brings even more people. And it's like this ridiculous like feedback. loop. It's a beautiful feedback. loop, Right. So like then, so like I posted a tweet about that. I like, saw that. I could have worded it a little bit better. You missed you miss an important part. Hash power plays into that feedback loop as well. Right. Yeah. But that's just... That's more adoption. Yes. Hash power is more adoption. So I think that... So then every... So I was just getting tons of haters just saying, oh, like Bitcoin's a Ponzi scheme. And like a lot of them were either Bitcoin Cash people... Or alt corners. It wasn't even like no corners. Well, that's why I think not having the hash power aspect into it sort of hurt your argument because hash power represents a sort of a sunk cost of hardware and energy that sort of proves that people are willing to put skin in the game to, to acquire this scarce token, which I think would would sort of destroy the Ponzi scheme argument. Right, but I wasn't making an anti-Ponzi scheme argument. That's they true. were levering Ponzi scheme at me. And then, yeah, yeah, the main response in my mind is that POW gives you permissionless access, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. you can exchange work at a true market rate that's yes. not controlled by anyone for Bitcoin from the network. Yes. Um, and I thought it was interesting that, like, Ethereum people were level- leveling this at me. And, like, proof of stake is way more pyramid characteristics than Bitcoin. Like, I would never say that to them but like it's ridiculous that they would i don't know say that bitcoin is a and like it's not even a ponzi like it's more pyramid scheme than pon like you need a dude named ponzi at the top to be a ponzi yes you need a central you need a madoff yeah so i can steal or like a vitalik type or something <laughs> like that you know so it'd be pyramid but anyway that's besides the point no and then with proof of stake like if we're playing out sort of like the logical thought experiment like if it ever does become successful people are just going to be incentivized to lock up their their tokens and you can have like cartels that don't sell yes they don't sell it's so it's it's inherently requires more permission because you have to buy from an existing holder you can't just plug in hardware and get distributed uh coins yes um so bitcoin is not a ponzi scheme it's a bad argument but maybe ethereum is (laughs) Maybe. No, I think that's like a. I just, I just think that like cryptocurrency, be, like multi coiners, like shouldn't be. They shouldn't be. Don't call Bitcoin a Ponzi. Like yeah, that's anything a Bitcoin can be thrown at you like five times as hard. So <laughs> yeah, I just and like it's just a losing. I I don't. I just a bad. I a bad precedent to set. Uh, you know, you yeah, throwing stones from glass houses. Yes. <laughs>
And it's definitely, I, I wouldn't say it was a pyramid scheme either. Like, there's no other way that you could bootstrap, like, a new, like, a new money in a fair way that was, that I, it's hard to imagine, like, a fairer method than, like, people buy in at their, and voluntarily, like, when they, when they want to. Yeah, you're preaching to the choir, brother. It's, uh, you don't have to sell me on this, but yeah. I think if you threw hash power into your uh, your formula, you would have. So where am I putting hash power in it? So it was price. a bad tweet. I could have composed the tweet better. So it goes price. So I would do it. Price leads to more hash power because miners are going after a token that has more value. So they're willing to put more uh, capital on the line, uh, and which inherently makes Bitcoin more secure to an extent, and that in turn makes the proposition value of owning Bitcoin more valuable, which... Oh, because it's more secure? Yes, coupled with the price. Uh, I, I, I could see that. Yeah, and then um, more people drives the price up, which drives the hash power I was up. just trying to keep it really simple. I should have kept it simpler. It's just... My Bitcoin thesis is just... With adoption, the price will go up. So as more people adopt it, the fucking price will go up. And I think more people will adopt it. Yeah. So that's my that's my thesis. Buy gold, buy Bitcoin. That's all we're trying to say here. <laughs> Drop gold. <by> the... <laughs> um, that's all we got for this week, freaks. Thank you for joining us. As always, uh, we haven't even talked about the site. I think we're going to launch that tonight at midnight. Or actually, I'm not going to put a date on. I'm not going to put pressure <laughs> on the dev that way. We will announce the site on Twitter in the next <laughs> in the next 24 hours. This, I love that. The hats will go on sale. They're very limited supply. Um, they'll be under the merch tab. You'll be able to find them there. Um, so yeah, I think we have to use Shopify for the shop to start because BTC pay server doesn't have their shipping, uh, end of things figured out, but I think we'll go completely Bitcoin native pretty soon. But it uses BTC pay server for the Bitcoin payments. Yes. Um, yeah, it'll be using our BTC pay server, um, for that. Even when it goes through Shopify. I'm pretty sure. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah, so you but you will be able to pay in fiat if you if you so please, um, and are, are looking to stack sats, um, spend fiat stack sats. Um, are we a lolly partner? No, we're not a lolly partner. We yet. should become a lolly partner. We should become. Does a that cost partner. us any money? I don't know, Alex. If you're listening, he's hi, Alex. We'll uh, we'll talk. We'll sidebar this. Yeah, we'll we'll message you. All right, you have a final note for the freaks. Stay humble, stack sats. Yeah, peace and love. Stay chill. Just kidding, freaks. Talk to uh, talk to our dev. Uh, site will be launched on Sunday. Sorry for uh, sorry for getting your hopes up there. We aim to please here. We want to make sure that the site is perfect before we launch it. It will be launched on Sunday. <laughs>